Hey everybody and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore, one of your hosts. I'm joined as I am most every week with uh, Dr. Scott Melson. Hello. What's up, dude? How are you, sir? Just checking the tweeter. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> seeing, uh, what's, seeing what's going on. We're also joined uh, to our right by Liz Charles from the Oklahoma Women's Coalition. Hello, Liz. Hello, hello. Does anyone call you Elizabeth? Only my parents, and it's not ever good. So. I, I, and people assume that's what happens with Andrew. No one has ever, my my aunt calls me Andrew, but it's a term of endearment. No one else really ever does. That's about it. Yeah, don't call me that. I won't. No Andrew or Elizabeth. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> Either get one. weird. Just specify. Uh, and then to our left here, for those of you who are watching at home, uh, Mr. Bo Broadwater from the Journal Record. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. We, um have a, a new crew and as we said earlier in the season we're going to try to bring you some new voices most every week in fact we already have next week lined up we do look at us we're on the ball if everything works out we'll have senator julia kurt and uh john middendorf who's the pastor of okc first church of the nazarene that may be the person mm, that i've known the longest because i met him in 1999 when i first came to college that's pretty impressive it's a long time that was when i was just a child Five years old in college. I was really ahead of my time. <laughs> Very much ahead. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into our news roundup. A lot of news this week. There's a lot. We actually kept the news roundup pretty short this week because there's so much happening in the legislature that's newsworthy. So we are going to, I mean, we say this every week, but we're actually going to keep it short and sweet. So first up, we have an article from the Tulsa World. This has to do with Epic Charter Schools. So the Epic Charter School is um, Oklahoma's online school. It's very, it's big. It's got several, several thousand students, I think over 10,000 students at this point, um, and is really good at a lot of things. But at the moment, it's under both state and federal investigation from uh, the OSBI, as well as the feds. And I, we're not going to go this through. Is, this is not the first time though, right? Yeah, no, this is happened this is this is this is like an update not a not a new thing um the article is on the tulsa world we'll throw a link up to it on the blog um it's it's long it's detailed it's definitely worth the read suffice it to say that most of this investigation has to do with dual enrollment so this is kids that are going to that are enrolled in epic and are receiving epic funding but are also in private schools of some kind um and whether or not that's okay it seems not to be okay seems not okay yeah. how is that even possible i don't even like is it is it kind of like medicaid fraud where they're like they're billing for it and the student doesn't know so it seems like it's there's some kids that are it's like they're doing some classes at epic but then they're also at their private school most of the time and in some cases they're even like doing work at their private school but getting ep, like their epic teacher is giving them credit for it it's very like mm. like it's it is convoluted and can times it be a little bit confusing so that's at times can be a little confusing so that's one reason in addition to time not to try and get too far into it but it is you know we talk a lot about education um, right now in the legislature charter schools um, are a, a hot topic. Vouchers are a hot topic. Making yeah. some changes to uh, scholarships are a hot topic. So if that it all concerns you, hint, it should. Uh, <laughs> you should go to the Tulsa World and make this uh, one of the articles that you can get. I believe the Tulsa World gives five free articles a month to non-subscribers. So make this one of your five for the month of February. That's fair. And as an employee of a newspaper, I'll say go ahead and subscribe while you're at it. Yes. Nice Ooh, plug. That's, yes. That you know, I actually have in my notes to give to give you a shout out at the very end. Oh. I, I tell people to subscribe to the journal record every week. I was going to say, 
I'm suddenly aware that we have no journal reticle, journal record articles on our news roundup this week. That's not intentional. I'm just trying to spread the love. We usually... He's leaving. He's like, Davis. We usually have like three, so... <laughs> That's right. I think Bo listens every week. He will know if we are lying. <laughs> All right. So um, up next is um, an interesting article from Nondoc uh, about Speaker McCall and others favoring the county option for taxing aggregates. So aggregates meaning rocks. Yes. So uh, <laughs> you're like, why in the world does this matter? Well, it matters if you have ever driven on a road or like been in a building with a concrete foundation or had any other kind of industrial application of concrete, um, this matters because right. You like, if you've got a little project at your house, like you're building a fence, you probably go to home Depot or Lowe's and you buy a bag of concrete. If you are building a road or you are like building a house or a commercial structure, you don't do that. You buy a bunch of aggregate, you buy sand, you buy rock, you buy all these materials and you make your concrete. You said you buy it in aggregate? Yes. Uh, where's the mm-hmm. rim shot, please? Oh, yeah, I've got one yeah, of those yeah, sounds. You've got a rim shot. But, um, <laughs> so um, this piece from Nondoc talks about how Oklahoma actually, and this may be known to a lot of you, it wasn't known to me, we produce a lot of aggregate. We have several quarries located all over the state. Um, and if you're familiar with the term gross production tax, what Speaker McCall uh, is proposing is actually to put a gross production tax uh, by cubic foot, no, cubic yard, by cubic yard, I think it's 10 cents per cubic yard on aggregate. Ton. 10 cents per ton. Is it, is it ton? It was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of material for not much money. Yes. So like a mm-hmm. typical three yard, which is like a, a semi-truck load of material right. would be like $2. Yeah, it was not... Of additional tax. 217 yes. I believe. Um, but, um, so, this is a tax increase, which is interesting since it's being... Um, proposed uh, by the Republican Speaker of the House. Uh, Is there an aggregate lobby? um, There is, actually. Ah. (laughs) So they are very staunchly against the tax. Um, Probably the biggest company that... I I wouldn't say the biggest. The company that most people in Oklahoma are familiar with is Dolese. Uh, Dolese? Dolese. I don't know. I don't know know them. Is it Dolese? It's Dolese? I think it's Dolese. Dolese. Man, it's a really good thing you have a woman here. That's true. To update you on concrete things. <laughs> Dulce de leche. The, the, so the <laughs> I think last, that's it. That's definitely The last E is not signed. Whatever. Okay. So the big concrete trucks that are blue with yellow lettering and the name starts with a D. They're green. They're green. Oh, my God. I guess I'm colorblind, too, apparently. <laughs> I, I, I need more whiskey. Yeah. Uh, anyway. The concrete trucks with a D that are all over the place. Um, They are, as you might expect, not in favor of this. They talked about how it's going to be a job killer. Speaker McCall actually said, I think it's going to be a job saver. So figure that one out. Um, The bill is House Bill 1404. It passed uh, out of the A and B Committee, uh, Appropriations and Budget, from the House today. And I just... I just have to like read this Twitter thread. So the bill's being run by Representative Meredith. This is vaguely inappropriate. Uh, excuse me. Uh, the bill's being run by Representative Hun- Humphrey, um, and he was asked by Representative Matt Meredith uh, if this is this county by county option. So this the the tax is being levied. Uh, like counties have the option to institute the tax or not. Humphrey it's wears not a cowboy hat. Yes, every day. Uh, that's Repres- I'm not not a bad thing. I'm going to wear one of the podcast one I of mean, these days, but mm-hmm. it is it lets you know where he's from. But uh, 
Representative Meredith asked if, like, would a statewide, like, doing this statewide instead of county by county, would that be better? Uh, Representative Huntry said that um, he originally tried to run this as a, this aggregate tax statewide, um, but uh, he says, quote, I tried to work with everyone on that, but I got monkey stomped the last time I was here. I wouldn't say it was bad monkey stopping. <laughs> it was bipartisan, end quote. Uh, he was... Oh, oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. So then, so then asked why his bill is better than a previous version. Representative Huntry noted, uh, if I twas at a county show, I'd say that my pig is going to win grand champion. End quote. I don't know that that addresses issues with the bill, but indicates that Representative Humphrey feels strongly about it. Uh, it advanced out of committee 19 to 10, and we have an update. The term monkey stop means the act of persecution to a male's genitalia by a swift and efficient stomp to the scrotum. So oh. I don't know the difference between good monkey stomping and bad monkey stomping. There's no good. Um, I feel no, like there no would good. be no good. That's That was that was my thought. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how monkeys factor into this. But anyway, head over, uh, head over to Nondoc and check out the article on aggregate taxing. Uh, it's actually, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a decent chance that you're into... Uh, policy and this is an interesting i thought you were gonna say monkey stopping (laughs) i was really worried there's there's a a decent chance you're into uh policy wonkiness as well as uh politics and this is a great juxtaposition of the two shout out to trace for capturing that quote like delivering on the important news he's tireless this week trace has had a number of really good quotes that he's had to follow up on there was a great juxtaposition and something we'll talk about later of of the governor saying like we want to promote transparency but like we're not taking questions in this press conference like <laughs> like the next sentence and i was like uh whoopsie so all right um scott we are already behind yeah but these next two are really fast all right go for it i'll yeah. let you do these then. all right so uh this next article is from news okay it is behind the paywall so i'm sorry so pay for it there you go Subscribe. pay for it um, this is, uh, there are three bills that have passed out of the house and the Senate Two that two from the house, one from the Senate, all dealing with a uh, vertical oil and gas well. So we talked some last year with the uh, OEPA, the Oklahoma energy producers Alliance, that they feel very strongly that producers who are drilling long lateral horizontal wells, right? Um, these are mostly going to be the big companies, the names that most of us are familiar with. Uh, the, the smaller producers of vertical wells, which are the more traditional kind of straight up and down oil and gas wells, they allege that there is significant amount of damage to those vertical wells when these long lateral horizontal fracking wells are drilled. Uh, these three bills are bills that are designed to address that. Uh, they've all passed committee. They've also all had the title removed. Um, if you'll remember, when the legislators take the title off of a bill, that means that before it can be signed into law, it has to not only pass, you know, its committee of or its chamber of origin, pass the other chamber, but then it has to come back to the chamber of origin and be voted on again. So taking the title off is a way to keep bills kind of moving through the process, but it's kind of a, a safety, like a fail safe that they can't they can't necessarily go anywhere. Um, the OEPA is very in favor of these bills. The OIPA, the Oklahoma Independent Petroleum Association, which is the traditional big oil big oil lobby here in the state, um, they are not a fan of these three bills. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll see what happens. So, like I said, they've, they've all three passed, but several similar measures have been introduced in the last few years, and none of them have gone anywhere. So, we'll see what happens. Cheers. And then the very, very last, very, very last uh, piece that we have today, and I added this at the end because 
it's new. And I was just like, what? So this is from KJRH, which is in Tulsa. This is channel two in Tulsa. Um, I wasn't aware that they existed. Yeah. Subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so this is about Senate bill 574 SB 574, and it would require every school district to create a code of ethics for teachers and spend three hours every year training uh, to make sure that classes don't get political. What? So this is designed. I was on board with the ethics part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, who's authoring I, it? Uh, this is authored by Senator. Where is it? Uh, Mark Allen. Uh, who has? Mm. If He's read, also the senator who tried to slap a like that bond of fifty thousand dollars for protesters at yes. the Capitol. All right, yeah. yeah. So there's a pattern. Doesn't like yeah. teachers. Doesn't like them. Well, he really doesn't like it when they show up at his office. Is what it right. seems. Um, you mean their office? <laughs> yes. That he is renting. Cool. Mm. Anyway, well played. Continue. Well played. But he so, is paid by them to <laughs> yes, live. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. He so, is employed by them. We'll uh, throw that up on the web as well. There's not a lot of detail. The bill, um, it's been referred to the Education Committee. It has not been voted on yet. I don't think that it's on the agenda for this week. Uh, And for those playing the home game, if bills are not heard in committee and passed out of committee in their chamber of origin by tomorrow, which is uh, the 28th, it is game over. So um, there's been no vote on it yet. I've done it. There's an emergency clause on this bill. Mm. So apparently if it passes, it needs to be... Uh, right now take effect within 90 days very, not november 1st very so, urgent that we yeah. don't that we don't teach yeah politics. teachers or students empower them to yeah. be civically Did, engaged uh, scott I, what, just one follow-up question on this does it stipulate what or it delineate what is politics that cannot be taught uh the article doesn't and i've not read the bill text i'm gonna go read this bill text because i'm very curious like if you're not going to teach politics. What what does that mean? I try to read bill text of the stuff that I add, but I added this like 20 minutes ago. Well, so. I mean, sometimes <laughs> like I was reading a bill yesterday uh, about tobacco stuff and I like read it and I was like, wait, what? And then I read it again. Like, oh no, this like this undoes. It was like a triple negative, right? So it's like this eliminates the piece that made something illegally illegal to not do. And I was like, I need a float. Too many knots. Yeah, I was like, "This, what do you, what do you want?" <laughs> <laughs> so it it worked out. Uh, right. Just that is the official end of the news recap. How much time are we at? We're at fifteen minutes. That's a record. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and do a bit of a recap on some other things that happened this week in the legislature. Stand by. Oh, I hit the wrong button, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, golly. What am I trying to hit? This is exciting. This, you know, this is what I get for hitting the button instead of clicking. (laughs) I should have just stuck with a sad trombone. It would have made more sense (laughs) in hindsight. Uh, So uh, an important thing that passed today, and this is just a quick follow-up because we've talked about it, I think, in the last two episodes. Um, We have it labeled as constitutional carry we all know that it's permitless carry. I was in a hurry. <laughs> Do you think that's what happens at the legislature? My bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sound, and so the governor signed this bill today already. This is officially Governor Stitt's first bill that he has signed into law. That uh, anybody over the age of eighteen that's not a felon or a few other exclusions can carry their firearms wherever they went, wherever they want to go, with the exception of places that. They have to forbid it, I guess. Certain venues can't take them to Thunder Games or the Capitol. Mm. Just, yeah. 
that are otherwise illegal to have a firearm. Right. And that takes effect November 1st. Yes. So. And this uh, and this is pertains to all firearms, not just handguns. Someone said long guns in the debate. Long guns. I think there's also a line about machetes in there, which I may just start like just Leonardo <laughs> from the Ninja Turtles <laughs> yeah, carrying a couple please. of katana blades around. And was that Leonardo? And brass knuckles. It was, yeah. Oh. yeah Donatello had, this, had the bow staff. I was a Michelangelo guy myself. Oh, that guy was... He was cool. Raphael, Dude. though, we can all agree, was kind of yeah. a jerk. Yeah. He was brooding. No, he's just a jerk. He was brooding. <laughs> he's this little size. Anyway, it's um, taking me back. Yeah, so so that passed off Senate floor earlier today, and then um, and then got signed into law. Same day. No time. You know, a couple things about this. and we'll, Shoot him if you we'll, got him. We'll not take up too much time. So there's two things. There's House Bill 2010 also passed off the floor of the House today. So this is actually companion legislation uh, to go with House Bill 2597, which is permitless carry. So House Bill 2010 was written specifically to address uh, zoos. So saying that you can't uh, open carry or uh, permitless carry in zoos and also to address no monkey uh, yeah, to <laughs> to address the uh, the gathering place in Tulsa, because both of those are places where there's uh, Senator David said that that legislation was written. It was a, a compromise that was agreed to um, because those are both places with lots of children, which I feel begs the question if bypassing permitless carry, nothing is going to change, as Senator David said over and over and over today during Q&A and during debate, and it's perfectly safe, then why is House Bill 2010 needed? Right? Like, if it's safe and nothing changes, then why do you need House Bill 2010? I'm going to lighten this by telling a story about the zoo. <laughs> I had a friend uh, when I was in grad school the first time uh, who worked at the zoo in the uh, zoo friends office, right? Like the membership thing. And he said people brought stuff in there all the time, like weird things. Um, and so two things. Someone like brought in a skunk one day and was just like, I have a donation to make. They're like, okay. And, and he just pulled it out of a sack and put it on the counter. Oh. And I was like, I'm oh, done. No. And just walked away. And they all sat there horrified because they were they didn't know if this skunk was loaded or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out it had been a pet. It had been like um, de-skunked. Yeah. Um, and so is that a the pet? I, I think skunk? that's a technical term. Yeah. I think so, yeah. De-skunked. Yeah. No skunk stomping. But so, uh, yeah, this was a pet. So they, you know, but they didn't know that. They just, it'd be like if someone put a gun down, you don't know if it's loaded or not, right? Same. So this guy could not take care of his pet skunk and just decided to get rid of it. Yeah, I don't know if, if it was his, but he he burdened it on the uh, on the zoo. Anyway, that's not the story I was going to tell. That's just a fun skunk story. The actual story is that my friend Clint was walking through um uh, through the zoo near the giraffes over there uh, with a reporter from the Oklahoman. And as they were walking, he saw a man who was there with his two children go over to one of the trees, like across the walk, and like grab a branch that's about uh, about an inch and a half in diameter, like roughly the size of these microphones, and like just start shaking it until he broke it off, like hanging on it, broke it off. It's like a 10-foot branch. Throw like holds it into the giraffe enclosure and is like, "Hey, come here!" And so the giraffe comes over and just like <laughs> takes it and picks it up. And the guy's holding it like at a V and doesn't let go. He's just like, "Whoa!" And it pulls him into the giraffe no. exhibit or whatever. That's amazing. And drops him amazing. down. And then he's like, "Hey!" Get, and so my friend Clint looks at the reporter and says, "Please don't take any photos of this." <laughs> <laughs> so to get the guy out, and I was like, "So I was like, what happened? Did he get banned from the zoo?" And they said. 
No, we gave him like a free year pass because he was like, it shouldn't have been possible. There's no science. And I was like, we, oh, you man. gave yeah. this man a free pass to the zoo no. for a year because he was dumb enough to feed a giraffe Do with a indigenous Oklahoma stupidity. tree. Right. No. no. Like, listen, if it's my zoo, get the hell out. Well, it's a good thing he didn't have a gun. Well, you know, he could. Yeah, this so, could have ended differently. That's why we need 2010, House Bill 2010. <laughs> well, you don't want to scare the animals. Right. So. Right. That's true. If you're packing heat. Yeah, you know. They might run <laughs> on you or something. Post, like, yeah, it's totally reasonable. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the other thing I was going to put is, and this is kind of, the, this is the backdrop as well of 2597. And there's, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of things that you could paint as the backdrop of passing this bill. But um, this is close to me because of what I do when I'm not on the podcast. Um, the Frontier uh, which is an independent uh, journalism website out of Tulsa, uh, kind of like an online newspaper kind of situation. They do really great investigative reporting. Uh, they've got an article published this week called In the Line of Fire, uh, Children Injur- Injured and Killed by Firearms in Oklahoma is on the Rise. So between 2000 and 2017, um, the rate of pediatric firearm deaths, of the, the rate of deaths from firearm-related injuries in children in Oklahoma has gone up by, anyone guess? 12%. 12 Thirty percent. Thirty. Andrew. Forty-two. Seventy-eight point three. Holy, <laughs> us combined. Yeah, seventy-eight point three. <laughs> wow. So I hate um, when I'm wrong like that. I know. Yeah. I so know. almost, almost, wow. but n- <laughs> almost, but not quite. Almost, but not quite doubled. Um, wow. These are this. This is uh, accidents. So accidental shootings, homicides, as well as self-inflicted uh, gunshot deaths. So um, that's the backdrop against which we just elected to make uh, guns, specifically handguns, I would argue um, much more easy for people to obtain. It so. is. Um, well, there were some changes in this law to the permitting process as well, which I didn't know until today during the Senate debate, and, and that was concerning. I, it's interesting to me. I mean, um, Scott and I, you and I talked a few weeks ago that when I, and I, in fact, I had the same conversation with um, a couple of folks from the ACLU at a coffee shop earlier this week that I think everybody started, and Liz and Bo, maybe you too, we all started this session thinking there's a, a whole bunch of new freshman legislators. Yeah. They are seem to be a pretty moderate bunch. This is going to be different. It's going to be a different year. We don't have a budget deficit. It's going to be a positive year. And that's not to say it's not going to be, but... I was like, it's. I think it's okay. And Scott, you pointed out that you know, the first two weeks have been all guns and and abortion. And I was like, uh, yeah, that it does sound like business as usual for the Oklahoma legislature. So Representative um, Mickey Dolan's on the television show on Sunday mornings with Senator Flashpoint. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you know, he made a comment. You know, is this the message we want to send that we want to fast track this bill? Where Senator Bryce, you know, she had a great response to that. She was like, "This same exact bill was vetoed last year, mm-hmm. um, and they've they've addressed some of the concerns from last year." Right. Um, but uh, I think the narrative inside the halls at the Capitol is that this moved really fast. Yeah, really fast. Well, and someone I read somewhere that you know they likely wanted to get guns and abortion the the social issues of the year done so they're not gumming up their ability to negotiate the budget here in a couple of months 
whether or not that's I true. I do think that that is that there is some legitimacy to that, and I think I mean there was a couple of sessions ago where uh, the Senate uh, signy died early to avoid having to hear kind of the controversy yeah, yeah. around an abortion bill, um, and so I can see the validity of that. I mean, by no means a fan of it, but right. um, and yeah. and maybe to some degree it's a way to placate those who are yeah. big champions of these so that they will fall in line down the road if they have to make difficult votes like about budgetary things such as passing a gross production tax on rocks yeah <laughs> well you know from a from a republican standpoint i think um the main issue was the uh, the reciprocity uh, mm-hmm. that other states have here yeah you know and you know I'm for the Second Amendment. I personally own firearms, but I would never advocate for someone to just, okay, yeah, go buy one and walk around with it, you know. Um, But I can see that argument. I I definitely can. It's like, you know, how is it fair that somebody can come from Arkansas or Louisiana or wherever Mm -hmm. and do this, but an Oklahoman can't? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, the, the thing that sticks out about that argument for me is, is, I want to see that in all future legislation. You know what I mean? If if that's an argument for this, then on maybe the other side of the aisle, you know, it's like, well, we did it for guns. And I don't have right. any examples someone of could that. Get, right. I mean, I, the obvious one to me is like someone could get Medicaid in another state, but they can't hear, well, well how is that fair? <laughs> right. I mean, that's. I think right. that's a, a in some ways a logical argument. Totally. And my thing is too, and I, I agree with you, like the, recipro- the reciprocity makes sense except that like we gave reciprocity, right? Like we, like if you, if you're like, well, I mean, we have to do it for Oklahomans now because like everybody else can't, well, people from Texas, you could also not, you could also not do that. (laughs) Oh, and I think Senator Hicks on the, I think it was Senator Hicks from Senate district 40 today said, why won't we just get rid of that? Right. You know, um, and, 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 you know, I'm not advocating either way, but I do see that right. argument. Right. And it's, you know, to me, it's kind of the same deal with like, it's, it's the same deal with the, the training. Like, I feel like the argument we heard again today from Senator David was like, well, I've taken the training and it's worthless. So let's just get rid of it. And it's like, or we could make the training not worthless. Right. right. Like, that's like, like, let's <laughs> fix the things that are broken. Right. Like, well, and Grant said that a couple of weeks ago, uh, Grant Harms, when he was on here with us, that he d- took the train and I was like, how was that? And he's like, you can't fail as long as you can put the bullets in the gun and, and hit the target you pass. And I was like, well, that's just a, I mean, like I, I agree that the training, but they, I agree the training is terrible, but like, I think there was not someone, an argument for get rid of training. Right. right. That's like let's have, there the was training. there was someone there was a tweet that I saw. There was a tweet I saw this this week that showed a video of <laughs> Yeah, that was me. It should have <laughs> at Bo Breadwater. I didn't I, I didn't I I forgot that we're on video and I didn't know if you wanted me to like No, no, yeah. Please was, follow. Say that it was you. Um that there that showed um somebody didn't say their face, so I don't know if it was a man or a woman, but um, no, it was a woman. I I presumed it was a woman but i don't That's you know i, I don't good I don't know. for you for not <laughs> like presuming I, I don't know how they identify themselves it was a person um who had a uh a, a gun in a holster and they were showing to someone and they 
they took it out mm. and they clearly could, they could barely get it out of the holster. Then they pointed it at themselves, at their abdomen. Did no you less, see this, Liz? As they were like, I have not seen this. It was, like they pointed it at themselves, at their abdomen, as they are like removing uh, the magazine with okay? a finger in the trigger. Guard. Yes, right. And, like and talking about how there is one in the chamber all yeah. the time. Yes, and it's like, do you do you hear the words coming out of your own mouth? Like it was, it was remarkable. And then they put it, back, they, you know, they uh, they put the magazine back in, they put it back in the holster. And like could barely like get the whole. And I was like, we're, and mm-hmm. this is a person like this is a person who had the training presumably because it's been re- it's been right. required. And so, um, yes, Yikes. a clearly the training is worthless, but b clearly people are not all responsible gun owners. And I would say that when you look at the four hundred and seventy six kids who have died from firearm related injuries in Oklahoma in the last seventeen years, that belies that. Despite what we want to believe, not all firearm owners are responsible. Oh, no, I would <laughs> venture to say like there's quite a few that are not, especially when you start looking at statistics of the relationship between domestic violence and gun ownership. Um, I mean, that's a huge reason why the Women's Coalition and some of our partners signed on to this effort against permitless carry. Um, and, you know, especially without any restrictions on permitless carry um, or protections uh, because of the overwhelming, you know, percentage of, of mass shootings that have a history um, of domestic violence mm-hmm. um, and the number of women who are murdered by men in Oklahoma because of access to weapons. So for us, it's like, let's not make that even easier and then allow these, you know, batterers and abusers to have free access to weapons at any time that they use to kind of control and, and have that threat of violence uh, over women. Right. Was, is there a provision in this law that excludes people who have a documented history of domestic violence from acquiring firearms? I don't think so. I believe it is convicted felons. Yeah, and it's a convicted. Fe- con- people with convicted felons and adjudicated mental illnesses. Yes. Okay. Those two. I, I knew those two. I couldn't remember if there was a domestic violence component as well. So, and that's, I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of folks that are, it's Oklahoma. Like, there's a lot of reasons to have firearms of varying degrees. I personally don't see a need for handguns. I mean, I, under, I understand people have them. I've shot one or several. Like, I kind of get it. But um, in my day-to-day life, I have no reason to have one. Um, and I mean, it'd be cool to like hunt squirrels sometimes. What if a monkey was trying to stomp it? I mean, <laughs> right, if you were going to get monkey stomped, you wish you had, fair, you wish you had one. Fair then. point. Now I'll, re- no, I'll reconsider. You're the machete. The machetes are going to be That's true. Now, right? I have, yeah. I have a machete. Um, I remember as a child though, I was, you know, five, six years old at my grandparents' house out in East Texas. They had uh, several acres and I, they had like my uncle's machete from when he was five or six and on like a belt. And I would just carry around the woods and just like hack, yeah. you know, vines and stuff down. So my, uh, my, my great, my great uncle. So my dad's, my dad's side of the family. They're, I mean, they're from various places, but we had a lot of, we, I don't think we do anymore. We, we had a lot of family out in Dover, which, um, for Delaware, uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, if you go to, uh, if you go to, if you go to Aishins, right. So Aishins is in Okarchi, which is about 20 ish minutes South of Kingfisher. So if you go up to Kingfisher and then you just keep going oh, yeah. north, north toward Eno, uh, yeah. towards Eno, then you're going to run through a little town called Dover. And we had a lot of family in Dover and they uh, ran cattle. And so there was, and I, now I did not meet this gentleman, but my, 
my dad spent many summers uh, working cattle with him. And so I believe him when he says they had a cattle hand who like, like lived, like lived on their land. Like he had a little shack and he sure. was, that's like where he, and he hunted for his food and he, you know, he ate, he ate squirrel, he ate possum, he ate like whatever, you know, and my dad said they were like, they were hunting squirrel and uh, this guy like shot a squirrel and missed and like, I guess felt like the squirrel like personally like, like offended him. Like the squirrel oh. dodged the bullet. Yeah, like he was, he was pissed. <laughs> so the squirrel like scampers up a tree, right? And um, now this gets a little, this is a little, it's a little, it's a little heavy. Right. The squirrel scampers up a tree and like disappears inside a hole. This dude puts his gun down, I'm sure in a safe manner, and like climbs up the tree to where the hole is and starts banging on the side of the tree until the squirrel poked his head out, at which point he like chopped his head off with a hatchet. Mm. Like, that's a quick, that's and, like Sully from uh, yeah. Dr. Quinn. Yeah. Like you got to like, like <laughs> Dr. Quinn took his, took his, uh, Dr. Quinn medicine woman. Nicely done. <laughs> took his, uh, took it. That's, that's like a circa 1993 wow. reference right there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but anyway, took it, took his head off and uh, made sure that he really enjoyed that squirrel for dinner. Apparently squirrel's greasy. I've not had it, but it is according to the it old is. man. Yeah. My mom's going to like, we talked about squirrel and Dr. Quinn in this episode, but all right, well, all that to, say, to pivot to the other constitutional care, the other issue today. of the, of the month. I will just as a quick aside, I think February sucks. And I had this discussion on Twitter a little while ago. I know, uh, Anna Fauci disagrees. That's fine. Her birthday's in February and so it is mine. Is it really? Yeah. It's also Happy my birthday. mother's birthday. Pisces. Happy birthday. Would you change to another month if you could? You know, that's an interesting question because I typically, well, I would consider it because I typically get gypped one way or the other. Like it's very rare that, and I'm, I'm like a weather person. Like I'm pretty impacted by weather and like I've had snow days on my birthday of like crazy rain blizzards. And then like, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know, but mm, I'm kind of partial to it now. If you could change to a different month, which month would you choose? I think I'd probably choose um, September or October. I feel like those are solid. Is that is that you? That's Scott. So I'm a uh, I'm a mid December birthday. Oh, okay. Which you know, I mean, it's fine. I don't feel strongly about it, but I think I I think an October birthday would be pretty sweet. What is that? What is that like Virgo? What What's the? I'm really bad. Oh yeah, you're men. I believe I'm. I literally could not care less. Does Sagittarius sound right for December? I have no idea. I feel like yes, Sagittarius are... I have no idea. I don't know. I feel like some somebody in middle school told me Sagittarius or Capricorn, but I don't remember. I don't have any... My, I'm an Aries. I know that, but just barely in March. We don't were pretend pit- like you don't care then. I don't care. I don't know what that means. <laughs> is Aries a bull? That's Taurus. Also a Ford. Aries is, a, really is a war. God of war, right? Maybe You're a very warlike. Person. It seems like it, right? Yeah. yeah. The machetes. And the stuff. machetes. The Ninja Turtle. So reference. why why does February suck? Why do you not? I don't. Like I don't. It's it's a it's what I said on Twitter earlier today was that it's the Tuesday of the months. Then like it's <laughs> January. You're like it's a new year, right? And then you're like, dang it! And Tuesday's weather or Tuesday's weather. Um, February's weather always sucks. It I does feel like. And I felt this way for a number of years. I, so apologies to everyone. My mom's birthday is is early in February, and. And we almost always forget, like when I was growing up, we would often forget her birthday because it was close-ish to Christmas. So like Mother's Day, we'd make it up by like buying her a TV and stuff. <laughs> She'd be like, I got a card. I'm like, happy birthday. Um, and so I just feel like 
February is always a hard month. It's really busy at work for us every year. That's probably part of it. Totally. You've you've forgotten about Christmas. You can't envision summer. Right. 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 Like there's yeah, just like the what the deal. There's just like nothing there. Well, Even, and also like Valentine's Day is terrible. Yes. Because yes. I want like secretly deep down. I love Valentine's Day. Like I want to just dive into the pool of Valentine's Day, but yeah. I will never let myself because I have self-respect. <laughs> <laughs> but like I'm a walking, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a so I just end up being pissed the entire day at everyone. Right, and it's you well, know. it's so even if you successfully pull off like a, a Valentine's thing, it's. Over, it's like really stressful. It's really yeah. expensive. It's yeah. really crowded. Yeah. Well, it's like the New Year's Eve of like you have all these ridiculous expectations that won't you will never meet them. New Year's Eve is also overrated. Agreed. Uh, I I would agree with that. I'm gonna come back to that. But first, before I, for, before I forget, there is an interesting data point here. There's a, there is a survey. This is a very Scott thing to say. Either by like Gallup or Monmouth, one of the two did a survey. If you were guessing, now I'm, I totally stole this from another podcast, so I can't take so credit. So 538? It is. <laughs> but if you were guessing, if you were guessing, what percentage of Americans said that they had a good Valentine's Day? What would you guess? Less than 20%. 12%. I was actually going to say 13. So we have 12, 13, and like something less than 20. Yeah. 87% of Americans. What? Which tells me. They're lying. Tells me, yes, that 70, like 5% of Americans are liars. Yeah. Well, maybe they just 100%. don't. I mean, I mean, if I'm being honest, like mine was fine. I wouldn't say but it was just, a, we didn't well, do anything. So like any survey, when the numbers make sense, you have to look at methodology. And they uh, they didn't give them an option, <laughs> right? Many Christmas. Was there no, was <laughs> there not like a bad option? They, no, you couldn't say, I don't know. You had to pick good oh. or bad. I heard oh, this on this, I heard this on this week. You had to pick, right? You had to pick good or bad. And eh. so a majority of people clearly don't want to say, I had a bad Valentine's right. Day because that sounds depressing. Right. And I, I mean, for for anyone listening who knows my wife, like she would, she would rarely rate any day above m- mediocre. I think or like <laughs> marginal. It's like she definitely moderates her uh, her opinions of days, and I think that applies to Valentine's as well. I would also say that I agree with you that New Year's Eve is largely overrated. I have always felt that way, and like hardcore. And then, and then. I spent New Year's Eve in Prague. Well, and so if you ever get the chance, you are being really obnoxious. And <laughs> if you if you ever get the chance to go to the Czech Republic and be in Prague on New Year's Eve, you'll be like, oh, 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 this, this is awesome. Scott is the biggest coastal elite I know. That's from Oklahoma. <laughs> he totally is. <laughs> um, I like to travel. <laughs> Well, when I spent the New Year's Eve in Prague, Prague. this is like that Maybe Friends episode. Maybe if you did, you'd understand. I was hiking in the foothills of the whatever. My, <laughs> that's such a great episode. I think the last New Year's Not Eve that I went out was the first opening night. Wasn't that like 2009? Right. Oh, I remember. Maybe. Uh, because I was, it was, it was not because I went to opening night in high school. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so this would have been like 1997. <laughs> I'm way off there. But either way, it was freezing outside. And it was my first New Year's in Oklahoma. Maybe that's, that's what it, it. was. Yeah. But I was like, this is way too cold. Yeah. yeah. Every, I so, feel like every year it's really cold. For I've never been because I'm always like, maybe this year we'll go. And then it's like, nah. nah. All right. Well, now that we've, we've, we did we've, have other things we were going to talk about. We've warmed ourselves with these happy conversations. <laughs> we should one week have a non-political political podcast and just talk about like 
giraffes. Our feelings. And, yeah, our feelings. Yeah. Like I'm a therapist. I can talk about astrology. Probably. Anyone's going to think, I, please don't judge me. I don't really care about astrology. It was mostly a No. Thing. Sorry. I, I think if anyone knows you, they know that's true. If they don't, <laughs> now, they, now they do. I think it's actually really interesting, too, though. Like, I mean, like, I don't like put stock on like horoscopes, but I think it's just, it's interesting that for like such a long time, that's how mm-hmm. societies like organized their like thought process. I thought for a split second you said horse scopes, and I thought that is up your alley as a physician. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, on that note, let's move on. Uh, so, kind of, yeah, let's, uh, there's a rim shot here somewhere. Don't push the button. The oh, right you got button. it. I clicked. It worked. Um, so, uh, so the last thing we want to talk about um, on our list, and we kind of want to, this might pivot a little bit um, mm-hmm. into uh, into to list into your agenda because we really want to hear what's important to the Oklahoma Women's Coalition this year. Um, you took over that position last year, right? Uh, yeah, September 2017. Okay, so a little little yeah. over. So you've had one full legislative session under your belt. I haven't. I've aged 25 I years. I can imagine. Yeah. She's not just had one. She's had one and then two special sessions, right? That's she, right. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. in her fourth session. She's a, she's That's a, right. she's a schooled veteran. It's the Tuesday <laughs> of sessions, I hear. And so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so um so we we want to talk about abortion because that has been the other dominant i think topic in this year so far as it is most every year um so there have been a number of uh kind of bills related to this tensions have been running high at the capitol about this um uh senate bill 13 was denied a hearing i forget what that bill even did uh it would criminalize abortion for uh, the woman yes. and the doctor which it's pretty serious. Also yeah, the so infant. Just getting Everyone's rid of fault. it altogether. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. SB, SB 13 by Senator Silk would have reclassified abortion as murder and outlawed abortion in all circumstances for any reason. Mm. Um, that was, it was, it's a Senate bill. Um, it was assigned to the health and committee, human public health, yeah, health and human services mm-hmm. committee. And um, it will, it became public late last week, I think, that it was going to be denied a hearing. So it's not even going to be heard or voted on a committee. Yeah. Senator Treat, who is the pro tem of the Senate, um, said, we're like we're not going to hear this. The chair, which is Smalley, I think, yeah. right? Smalley. Yeah. Senator Smalley and Senator Treat said, we're not going to hear this because we know like this is not constitutional. It's going to get challenged. It's yeah. going to be challenged immediately. There will yeah. be an injunction. Like, yeah. we're just, we're not going to do it. So, which, yeah. like, kudos for reason, you know? Right. Like, that's that was nice because, that we hedged that off. But, right. Um, that's a low years. bar, but we'll, well, <laughs> we'll yeah. take it. Constitutionality should yeah. be a higher bar. <laughs> well, we're so <laughs> yeah. we're we're coming we're coming back to that. But, right. Um, but instead, they heard SB uh, SB one ninety five on Monday. Is this the trigger the bill? Trigger bill. So trigger bill. This means that in the event that Roe v Wade is over, in the event that Roe v Wade is overturned, or there is a constitutional amendment passed at the federal level that specifically bans abortion, if either one of those two things happen. Um, which if a constitutional amendment passes that bans abortion, it's unclear to me why this would be necessary. But if Roe v. Wade is overturned or there's a constitutional amendment banning abortion, then Oklahoma's abortion laws would return to what was in place prior to 1970, prior to 1973 mm-hmm. where abortion was illegal. Right. Uh, so that was heard in uh, health and human services. It passed along party lines uh, and I assume will be heard on the Senate floor. Also, even, even this, an abortion bill with a, with a trigger, that's a gun reference. So it really was like yeah, these definitely. two issues. That's and, my observation. And so I'm going to say this last thing and then I'm going to shut up. Um, but um, one thing that I think is just needs to be said. So I listened to all of the debate over this bill and um, 
someone needs to sit down with Senator Silk, and I'm happy to do it. If Senator Silk is listening, we can have this conversation. I volunteer, yeah, um, as tribute. But just kind of <laughs> a quick lesson in basic civics. Um, contrary to what we heard uh, on Monday, the Supreme Court actually does decide what's constitutional and what's not. That's literally their whole job. Like, that is... That is what they do. We heard over and over again that the Supreme Court was overstepping their authority by saying that the Constitution protects the right to abortion in Roe v. Wade and in KCV Planned Parenthood, which is us, another case that kind of reaffirmed Roe in 1992, three, two, something like that, yes. early 90s. Um, we heard over and over from Senator Silk that like the Supreme Court can't do that. That's beyond their authority. No, that's literally why they exist. Like they, the Supreme Court is the final ar- arbiter of what is constitutional and what's not. If they say it's constitutional, it is unless you change the constitution. If they say it's not, then it's not unless you change the constitution. Um, fortunately, Senator Treat, who I would disagree with on any number of issues, um, was there speaking for his bill and corrected Senator Silk on that. But yeah. I think it's I think it's just it is illustrative to me that we have now reached the place where we have elected officials who are either like they either don't understand like basic civics or they are being purposely gen- disingenuous yeah. about how the process works yeah. for the purposes of political gain. Well, and in either case, it's completely unacceptable. It is. It's and it's dangerous because this is an extremely emotional topic. I mean, regardless of where you fall on the issue, you're going to have some sort of an emotional attachment to it. So what we saw um, throughout the first weeks of session and especially at this committee meeting was an extremely emotionally charged dynamic in the room and with protesters I literally had a man's spit on my face who and like to be clear we are taking like the women's coalition has not taken a position on any of the abortion bills um and I'm just happened to be like sitting in a spot of being by Planned Parenthood people. And so like I'm associated with them. And so walking out and he is like spitting in my face, telling me that abortion is murder lady. And I'm like, this is a lesson in what happens when you, you know, kind of spread this irresponsible vitriol. Um, and you have a base that doesn't necessarily educate themselves on what is constitutional and what what all of the the parameters around that and so it just feeds this like emotional energy um and it's really toxic um and really counterproductive i mean you had treat and silk standing there kind of just trying to out pro-life each other and and you know them chanting unseat treat unseat treat um and i'm like he's he's saving i i'm by no means backing 195 but in this situation, he the basis of him, you know, ensuring that SB 13 would not get a hearing is like it will immediately be challenged. It always has been anytime this has been brought up in the past with us or anyone else. So let's just save ourselves all the embarrassment. And everyone's just like, you work for us. You should represent our voice. You know, and I'm it, enraged at this. And then, you know, Silk does the, the classic like, 20 babies are dying when you go home to your family and have dinner and we just keep sitting here at committee meeting, you know, and the next day, 20 more. And it's just so irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of where you fall, that is not the way to conduct a conversation over an extremely controversial policy. Yeah. So and this was like really, um, 
not controversial, but like a lot of heat on both sides, right? So like yes. the far right didn't support some of this. And like you said, they were chanting unseat treat. Was this like, maybe not Silk's group, but this was like the... No, it was the SB13 group for okay. sure. So yeah. like the far this was the, right. like the Oklahomans the, for life, I think, right? Yeah, it yeah. was the group that got the billboard in, in Smalley's right. district. Yeah. And yeah, oh. they're, they're going hard. There's yeah. one on I-40. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. It was ugly. Yeah. Yeah. It was really... And, and they were both against the bill. Right. You know, like you, I think you for were different, about to say. It's for different like, Yeah, for reasons. different reasons. But they were both against the bill. But it, it's like... So I happened to be there when they the, when they walked out. And again, at Bo Broadwater on Twitter, you know, I actually... You know, I heard... I mean, just this... For people... You know, and I'm not saying they were all like that. But for people who claim to be Christ-like... They weren't being very Christ-like mm-hmm. to the Planned Parenthood people. No, they weren't. And again, I'm yeah. not saying where I stand on this issue. I don't think that, you, well, I'll tell you, as a man, I don't think I should have a voice in this issue. That's my personal opinion on that. Um, I do have feelings about it, but as a man, I th- I'm just going to shut up about it. And I think that's probably the best thing to do when it comes to abortion, um, especially one that I am not involved in at all, you know, um, but either way, it's like I, I was just really disappointed with how it's like the anger yeah. towards treat and towards that committee meeting, and, yeah. it's, and then they turned towards one another, and it, yeah. I mean, it was really ugly. I mean, and and being as objective as I possibly can, but it's hard to be as a woman, and it's hard to be as an advocate for women's issues and access to women to healthcare for women. Um, I cannot say enough positive things about the way that reproductive justice advocates maintain their composure mm-hmm. and 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 are respectful and are responsible in their messaging and also just in how they carry themselves. It's scary. I mean, like I said, literally had a man spit on my face. Um and and they're proudly wearing, you know, the shirt of their, you know, and kind of their messaging. Um as their role as reproductive justice advocates. And I was sitting there, you know, kind of watching them as this whole like huge angry mob was happening outside the the committee meeting, debating on, you know, if they could get up and go to the bathroom, if it was safe for them, how long they should wait until they can leave because they just get attacked and mobbed mm-hmm. by, by this group. So to your point about not necessarily being Christ-like, I, I agree. And there was a ram's horn Oh, you, so there you, was a you Rams mentioned this horn. when I texted you about coming on the show today. Like you know, like the burp, 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 burp. like the walls, that? the walls of Jericho. Look, that's all I've, that's all I've got. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's not what that is. <laughs> <laughs> the walls of Jericho. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, why? why? I, Were they marching and playing the thing? There, there, there was some marching. There was some chanting. Because there was some, and those guys have done a great job of the restoration. And I think it's a pretty secure building at this point. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know, I think, I think, Bo, your point, and again, not to take like, not to take a position on like the issue of abortion, but just like to your point about how people conduct themselves on, you know, when when we talk about this issue, you know, Senator Treat said in debate he said you know i've been called names i've been told i'm going yeah. to hell i've been called a murder i've been called yeah. a baby my killer christianity has been my, brought my, into question yeah. yeah and i just i i mean if if i could have said anything to him in that moment it was hey bro uh next time you're talking about this issue remember that yeah remember that when you're talking to people that disagree with you right remember that when you're talking to the supporters that do agree with you 
remember like remember what that felt like like remember what that felt like to have all these things that you hold like personally you know that are dear to you called into question because of what a policy difference that you have on this issue i think if i think if more people had that approach when we talk about this we would get a lot farther yeah, yeah I, mean, I think well, on civility issue, goes yeah. a long way. Oh, well, exactly. On any issue, there there's no reason that you should ever feel uh, the way I'm sure those Planned Parenthood people felt in the Capitol. It yeah. just, it, it, no matter what the issue is, and in, in my personal opinion on people who get angry, and you, you have every right to get angry, you have every right to yell, but when you do that, your message is completely lost. Yeah. And as you know, if I were an elected official, if I'm walking through there, you aren't going to get the time of day from me. And I mean, that's not me being elitist or anything, but I'm, I, I cannot sit there and listen to somebody yelling and spitting on my face yeah. because I just, we're not going to have dialogue. It's just impossible. Totally. Yeah. I mean, um, but as a, to go back just real quick as a, as a gun owner, we talked about that issue a few minutes ago. I feel like the it probably happens in the reverse sometimes. The people like accuse every gun owner of being a murderer or some kind of rhetoric along those lines. I mean, certainly there are fringe on every issue, right? Um, and so um, do you feel like that has, have you seen that same kind of thing at play in the reverse? That, that people who are pro-gun are accused of being murderers? Yeah. Uh, not in Oklahoma. I think. Uh, you have a huge percentage of gun owners in Oklahoma. I, I think I think the people who are completely against owning guns is a very small percentage in Oklahoma. Sure, sure, totally. Plus, but you don't I want think, to piss off a gun owner. But also. I think <laughs> I, I think the percentage of pro Second Amendment Oklahomans yeah. is much higher against open carry without training than what a lot of people are saying mm-hmm. totally i looked for that poll and i i can't find it but i i know i've seen it yeah um liz um before we let's as kind of the ending note here tell us a little bit about the women's coalition um for for any listeners who don't know that it is a thing um, yeah. and and what's on like what issues you care about and what's on the agenda for this year sure so Uh, The Women's Coalition was founded to essentially kind of be that day-to-day presence at the Capitol during session uh, for women's issues. Um, As any Let's Fix This supporter uh, and follower would would know, unless you stay consistently engaged um, in the process, it's highly likely that the issues that are important to you are not going to be represented every single day um, by by decision makers. So... um, that's what we do. We take issues that are impacting women and girls uh, throughout Oklahoma, uh, particularly those, you know, disenfranchised communities, um, and translate those hurdles and those obstacles into policy. Uh, and then we register ourselves as lobbyists and storm the marble dungeon and go and try to make a bunch of white men care about women's issues. So super easy. Right. Super stress-free. What could go wrong? I, <laughs> um, this session, we uh, we kind of focus on four main policy areas. Um, health and wellness, uh, alternatives to incarceration, violence prevention, and economic security. Uh, so 
obviously with with the climate around criminal justice reform, we have prioritized a whole lot of the reform efforts, um, specifically those impacting incarcerated women and incarcerated mothers. Eighty over eighty percent of cur- currently incarcerated women are mothers, so we're looking at those targeted policies that will impact that demographic. Say, say that again. Yeah, could you repeat that stat one more time? Over 80% of women currently incarcerated in Oklahoma are moms that who have crazy. kids under the age of 18. And that means their kids are not with them. Correct. So and that means the 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 likelihood of those kids finding themselves in uh, intersecting with the criminal justice system are highly exacerbated. So, um yeah. So we are looking at a couple of different things within reform. Obviously, following, we're a really close partner with the Oklahomans for Criminal Justice Reform and ACLU and others who are really leading the charge on that, a very aggressive reform front. Um, So cash bail reform, um, retroactivity of state question 780, um, site and release. Um, There are some dozens of reform bills. Um, The titles have all been stricken, which... Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. But um, one of our main reform bills is uh, failure to protect reform. Right now, there is a, uh, within the criminal code, a charge of failure to protect. So there's a litany of child abuse charges in the criminal code. This particular one deals with situations where the mother, and sure, it's like the parent, but it's 98% Mm -hmm. mothers, um, some abuse or or injury has occurred to the child that they themselves are not culpable of. They did not commit, um, but it it happened kind of quote unquote on their watch. Um, They can be charged with a sentence. And often we're finding uh, where DAs or judges are using the threat of a failure to protect charge to incentivize that mother to testify against the batterer. But for all of the reasons, all of the nuance and the layers and the complexities that we know about domestic violence and how difficult it is for that woman to identify a I'm a victim here b I should absolutely testify against this you know batterer um and and really advocate for herself and her family it's just not that black and white it's not that straightforward so I mean we have cases um dozens and dozens of cases where women are currently incarcerated for failure to protect for not like probation and a couple of years in DHS child welfare intervention but like 30, 40, 50 year sentences um, when they weren't even home, when there was threat to their own life um, or they were locked out of the house or, you know, any sort of given very traumatic circumstances. um, We are by no means trying to decriminalize child abuse. We are trying to ensure kind of protect um, domestic violence victims from being incarcerated so we can truly rehabilitate families because does that mother need help and access to services a hundred percent does there need to be intervention on behalf of the kids yes does that need to look like incarcerating and separating families no surely we can do better than that for for oklahoma kids and for mothers so um super easy to legislate discrimination and bias. Um, There are judges who just really subscribe to the belief and DAs who subscribe to the belief of you should have known better. Um, And there's so many 
implicit biases and kind of subconscious discrimination things happening with regard to women and mothers in Oklahoma. There's a reason we have the highest female incarceration rate. It's not because terrible women live here and do terrible (laughs) things. Um, So this has for sure been the hardest policy issue I've ever worked on because it's so nuanced and it's so complex um, because we're literally having to look people in the eye and say, wow, you just really hate women, don't you? Like, it's, it's, yeah. I feel like, and I mean, as, as, you know, three dudes sitting here, but I, I have appreciated my friendship with you because um, you, um, uh, one of many women in my life, but have helped highlight how issues are different for women or what issues are women's issues that I might not have thought of. I mean, there's some that you're like, oh, obviously, like reproductive things are, maybe more angled yeah. at that, but there are a lot of things that are nuanced in ways. And so like criminal justice reform is when you see the stats, you realize it's a huge deal, right? Like, you know, I work in HIV care and, um, and a, a big chunk of new HIV infections are among, uh, young women of color and it's becoming an increasingly female issue, yeah. but it doesn't get a lot of press. And so like, I, I'm like, Oh, well that's, now I get it like in a different way. And there's so so many like layers and our institutions are working exactly the way they're designed to discriminate against exactly the people they're designed to discriminate against. And then we criticize those exact people for falling behind. And it's like you, there was no other domino pattern like other than them to end up in these situations. So for us, it's like all about going back to the root of the issue, which is let's talk about trauma let's talk about adverse experiences let's talk about the fact that your baseline of normal is necessarily distorted when you grow up in poverty and abuse and violence um, around substances Um, and I mean I've been in really shitty relationships and I've made really you know I'm like I look back and I'm like why did I do that so take that with that any person can relate to and like exacerbate, you know, multiply times 10, 20, 30 of like, that's just been all you've ever known. So then to be able to put the, the onus on her to have to advocate for herself and, and get a great job and, you know, support her family and, um, not rely on substances to kind of, uh, like, alleviate some of this, the, the stress, the toxic stress associated with trauma, no human can do what we're the burden that we're placing on women to do by the things that we have put on them. Um, so that's a big one for us. Super popular <laughs> issue, but pissing it, off <clears throat> every DA in Oklahoma. Right it's now. so like, it's so important though. Like the whole time you've been sitting here talking, like, you know, I've just been like listening, but as I, I kind of like was getting here, like ready to say something. And then you like, you started saying exactly what I was thinking about was like, it's, it's about childhood trauma. It's about yeah. I, I, it's about toxic stress. It's about adverse childhood experiences, yeah. and it's about understanding that people people who grow up in those situations. It's not even that they need to be like. It's not even that they need to be taught like how like. It's not that they need to be like taught how to overcome that, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that's like that's one way I guess to think about it. But it's even more beyond that. It's that their brains 
like yeah. didn't develop the way that they're exactly supposed right. to develop, right? Yes. Their brains literally don't function the way that yeah. they would have had they grown up in situations where they weren't had a parent who was incarcerated, where there weren't substances in the house, where they didn't mm-hmm. witness domestic violence, where they weren't a victim of domestic violence themselves. Yeah. Like if they hadn't grown up in those situations, their brains would have developed in a completely different way yeah. and they would respond to stress entirely differently right. and arguably much healthier like right like it's and i cannot imagine the job that you have trying to because it's hard like it's hard trying to talk about that to policymakers even like as a pediatrician when you're talking about like what we need to be doing for our kids right i i cannot even imagine the burden that you have or the the barrier you have to overcome when you're talking about this like for adults who are incarcerated or who you look at them on paper and they have all these well, right, exactly. And that's, that is like Oklahoma's message to women is what I felt for a long time is the message of you should have known better. Um, it, it's the, it's the like women's equivalent of pull yourself up by your bootstraps of like, how could you, I would have never let this happen to my kids or I would have never found myself in this abusive relationship or I would have never found myself addicted to drugs or, you know, um, selling drugs to put food on, on the table for my kids. Like just this us versus them and trying to legislate that and trying and trying to write policies and call, hold decision makers accountable for things that they aren't even aware Mm -hmm. of are playing into their decision making. Mm Um, so yeah, I, I, I cry a lot. No, <laughs> well, I'm a, that's uh, so say we all. Um, that's yeah. uh, that's not a, a bad thing. Do you, it sounds like a really stressful job and um, heavy and important. Yeah. Um, what would you? I mean, we'll end on a positive note because we've had a really heavy episode. I feel like with lots of latent anger. Um, Liz, what's the best part of your job? That is super easy. The best part of my job is the before i was in this position i had no idea how many people were fighting for equity for justice um being able to learn from them and be comforted by them be encouraged and supported by them and and inspired by them um i mean there are so many amazing uh people doing this important work. And so there are so many times that I kind of can get in this silo mentality of like, man, I'm just really on an Island. And like, if you know, all of, I I hear stories and I talk to women at Mabel Bassett incarcerated at Mabel Bassett. And they're like, thank you for what you, what you're doing. You're giving us hope because Mm -hmm. we feel like people, someone cares, someone's telling our stories, someone's magnifying our voices and, and fighting for us. Thank you. And that's really encouraging. It is all can also be super overwhelming where you're like, holy shit, if I don't do this work, no one's going to, to to tell their stories, but that's just simply not true. Um, I mean, there are so many awesome organizations and, and people who are deeply invested um, and who cry at bars like I do in the evenings because this work is really, really our social justice work in Oklahoma is just really hard. And you have to kind of set this different standard and expectation for what is a win. Um, and But policy is necessarily slow. It should be. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we aren't making progress um, and that there aren't people fighting for these causes um, every single day. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah.
Thanks. Thank you. Bo, thank you for being here with yeah, us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for teaching me about monkey stomping, not. <laughs> right. And apparently I have to spend New Year's Eve in Prague now, so. Dude, Prague is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm sure it is. I don't know what else to say. Scott, thanks for being here too. <laughs> if, um, if you haven't already gone online to rate and subscribe to our podcast, please do that. Uh, remember that uh, Let's Pod This is a production of Let's Fix This. It's edited and produced by Scott and I. Um, and um, sorry, I'm trying to move move the faders while I talk, and it's not working so well today. My brain's a little fried from a long week. Um, subscribe to us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash let's fix this okay. Hit us up on Twitter at let's fix this okay. Same handle on Instagram. Scott is at SC Melson. I'm at Andy OKC. Bo is at Bo Broadwater. Liz is, oh, sorry. You should work now. At yeah. BHL Wagoner. BHL? Mm-hmm. All right, there Bennett, you go. Hudson, Liz. Those oh, are my boys. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. That's very thoughtful. I've not named mine after my kids. <laughs> uh, but props to having a kid named Hudson. Yeah. That's, that's, those are the best kids. Um, also, all the other ones. Uh, Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan nonprofit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with the government. We encourage you to get involved in any way that you can. Remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week. <laughs>